Sometimes there's only one right answer. Sometimes there's only one right wire. And you better cut the right one. This morning we're going to consider the one right answer. You know, there's some questions in life where there is no one right answer, right? I mean, a matter of preference. For instance, um, in my case, I might say that I think Krispy Kreme donuts are far better than Dunkin' Donuts. Okay, got a lot of amens. Anybody here think Dunkin' Donuts are better? Okay, see, it's a matter of preference and, and you're all wrong. Now, here, here's a situation where there's something that's true for me, right? Krispy Kreme donuts are better. But there's another truth that's true for you. Dunkin' Donuts are better, okay? There are times in life when that's true. When what's true for you is true for me, for, for you, and what's true for me is true for me. Now, there are other occasions that what's true is true. It's a single solitary truth, but it doesn't make a huge bit of difference. For instance, if you'd come up to me and ask, hey, pastor, what, what did you have for breakfast this morning? I would have told you that I had uh, strawberry yogurt with some granola in it because I'm just kind of a health food guy. <laughs> and three Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> I had to buy one, get one free coupon. What can I do? And so that's true. Okay, it's true. That's what I had for breakfast this morning. It's, I mean, you can argue with me about it, but it's true. That's what it was. But really, it's inconsequential. It doesn't really matter that much. I mean, it's not a big deal what I had for breakfast this morning. And so there's some things that are, that are true for you and, and true for me. And, and it, you know, the, the two, they're just a matter of preference. There are other things that are, that are true, but they're inconsequential. Then there are those things that are true and they matter like cutting the right wire. As a pastor, I get an opportunity to, uh, uh, you know, go and see people before they're having uh, surgery. And and, uh, typically, uh, because they let me back there, I I go back to the pre-op. Some of you have had that experience where I've shown up at at the pre-op, and I go in there. And and this is what I've discovered. Now, I've never, well, I had surgery back when I was like five, but I've not had any surgery since. So, I don't have personal experience with answering these questions, but I'm there when a lot of times the question is answered. If you've never been in a pre-op, let me tell you what happens. They, they get you ready. They you know, put the little nice little robe on you, and they hook you up with all the wires and tubes and, and everything they've got to do, and you're just kind of sitting there waiting for somebody to come in there and shoot the fun juice in you so you can just go, hey, I'm having surgery today. And then they put you under, and they take you out. Well, in the whole process, before they give you this juice so you know what you're talking about, they start asking you questions. And it's amazing. You'll have four or five different nurses come in, an anesthesiologist come in, maybe even a doctor or two come in. They ask you the same silly questions over and over. Here's what they do. You're wearing a bracelet with your name and identification on it. They will walk in. They will look at your bracelet and go, what's your name? And you want to be a practical joker about it, but no, you're not going to do it. So you tell them your name. And then, what are you here for today? And again, you might want to be a practical joker. I hear there's a live show and a great magician, but you don't do that. You go, okay, I'm here because I'm having this this particular surgery done on me. And if it's on a particular hand or one side of your body or something, they'll say, now, 
what, what are we operating on today? Now, here it is. My leg has a big black mark on it, big X. This is the place. And they've sketched out everything they're going to do on here. It looks like a pirate map. They've got it all on my leg. And they're asking you, which one are you operating on? Now, again, the right answer here is kind of important. This is not one of those deals where what's true for you is true for you and what's true for me is true for me. If it's my right leg that needs to be operated on, I don't want them messing with my left leg. I want them doing what they were supposed to do. This is also not one of those issues where something is true, but it's just inconsequential. No, it matters. It could be a matter of your health. It could be a matter of life and death. So there's some things that are true and they matter. And that's really what we want to talk about today, something that is true and matters. When it comes to the question of eternity, your soul, truth matters. You can't afford to be wrong because more than life hangs in the balance. Your soul hangs in the balance. We're talking about forever here. Now, having said that, there are people who go, you know what? All religions are basically the same. Basically, they're all the same. They're, ba- they're all true. All, many paths lead to the same God. There are many roads to get to heaven. Maybe you've heard that. Maybe that's the way you think. This, you know, just lots of different paths. It's just all open. And as long as a person is sincere, they believe and they're sincere, then God will just kind of rubber stamp them. And did pass them on through. And that sounds really magnanimous. Sounds really open-minded and compassionate. Until, until you get out your spade and you start to dig a little bit. And what you discover is that at the core of these various faiths that are out there, there are not only minor differences there are contradictions so that this cannot be true while at the same time this is true. And and let me just walk with you through the big four. The big four, the the four world's major religions, and I'd like to take you through just really kind of a 30,000 foot view so to help you understand this, because some of you may be wrestling with this, okay? Lots of different religions out there. Why is Christianity different? What makes it special? Why should I believe this and not that? So let's take a look at it real quickly, if you will, with me. And let's first consider Hinduism. Hinduism is a huge, huge religion. Some of you have had some personal experience with it, right? I mean, you've been there. You know what it is. There are Hindus there. Now, Hindus, if you take a look at their faith, they have their own sacred text, just like we have a Bible. They have their sacred text. But there's some differences. Hindus, for the most part, believe in a multitude of gods. They have one primary big god, Brahman. But depending on who you ask, and you can ask even Hindu priests, Hindus can have anywhere from tens of thousands of gods to some put it all the way up to over a million. That's a lot of gods. Okay, so there's a, there's a little bit of a difference here we're seeing. Now, in Hinduism, they, uh, they, see, they deal with sin and life and death and all those issues with reincarnation. That is a cycle of birth, death, and rebirth. 
And depending on what you have done during life, the karma of your life will determine what happens in your next life. In other words, if, if you have not been a, a, a particularly good person, um, then you're gonna, you may come back as somewhere less than you were now. And I mean less by you could come back as a cockroach or a rat or a gerbil or, heaven forbid, a kitten. I mean, you could come back as something far less than you are now. However, if you live a really good life, you build up good karma, then you'll come back as something that is, that is greater. You may have been a street sweeper in your life, but you may come back as a, as a prince. I mean, you can really get up there. Now, Hindus don't believe in heaven as we believe in heaven. As a matter of fact, the whole point of the Hindu faith is to break out of the cycle, to get off the merry-go-round. In other words, I want to stop this endless cycle of birth, death, rebirth. And so what I'm trying to get to is to leave this plane of existence and kind of meld into the ultimate consciousness. And again, I am giving you a very, you know, this is not a, a, a big theology lesson. I'm kind of giving you the, the deep end. So am I, am I, am I, my, my friends from India... <laughs> Okay, am I hitting pretty close to home over here? Okay, good. All right. They, they, they know. They've been there. Now, just with those few things that I've told you about Hinduism, and I've only scratched the surface, you can already begin to see that at the core of the faith, there are some things that are drastically different. For instance, we believe in one God. One God, eternally existent in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We do not believe in three gods. We believe in one. We certainly don't believe in 10,000 gods. We believe that there is but one and one God only. What about this cycle of reincarnation? Because karma has become a term that has been brought over into, our, in, into just kind of common vernacular uh, you're developing good karma, bad karma. Basically, uh, there are some things that are similar in some faiths. For instance, the Bible does teach that a person reaps what they sows. That's pretty much what karma teaches, and that is you're gonna, you do good things, good things come back. You do bad things, bad things come back. Obviously, it's not exactly the same principle, but there's some similarity there. But as far as reincarnation, the Bible says this. It is appointed for a person to die but once and then to face the judgment. Now, when you look at that and you look at reincarnation, you go, those two cannot be compatible. They, they don't fit together at all. You have a cycle of birth, death, rebirth on the one hand, and you have it as appointed, you get one life. One life. And when you die, you face the judgment. And so there's some big differences here. And again, we're at a 30,000-foot height here. Let's look at Buddhism. Buddhism is another one of the world's major religions. Buddhism, again, has its own sacred text. But this is interesting. In Buddhism, the follower of the teachings of Buddha and those who adhere to their faith are supposed to find their own truth. In other words, even with the sacred text and the teaching of the priests, they're, they're asked to discover their own truth. So what they're saying is pretty much what's true for you is true for you, and what's true for me is true for me in that sense. I discover my own truth. What about their teaching about God? Well, this is interesting because in Buddhism, God is actually irrelevant. 
You can worship God or not worship God. It really doesn't make any difference. In that sense, some have called Buddhism more of a philosophy than a religion. In Buddhism, pain is an illusion. So is love. It's an illusion. The only thing that's real in life is suffering. And the ultimate aim of Buddhism is to get out of this cycle of suffering because they too believe in reincarnation. Suffering is caused by desires, cravings that you have, uh, the material world that you live in, the physical attachments that you have. And so for a Buddhist, heaven would be, they call nirvana, heaven is an escape from any attachment anything at all it is somehow to become completely unattached now as christians we look at this and we go i thought the goal was heaven and we're told that people we love are going to be in heaven and we're told that there are uh, you know as best as can be described uh, there's something waiting for us in heaven But in Buddhism, basically your goal is nothing. And in Christianity, your goal is everything. So it's completely different. And and God is not optional in the Christian faith. Now let's look at one more of the major world religions, and that is Islam. And I want to tell you something. With the exception of Judaism, Islam is the closest religion there is to Christianity. And here's why. Because they share some of our same texts in the Old Testament. Some of the same biblical characters that we talk about, they talk about. And do you know in Islam they even have Jesus? But it is different. For Muslims, they believe in the justice of Allah. Uh, A sinner can escape Allah's justice by doing religious works. And in the end, what will happen is... Allah, God, will weigh your good works and weigh your bad works. And if your good works outweigh your bad works, then you might get in. But there's no guarantee. I talked to an, uh, an imam in a, uh, in a mosque in Durham, North Carolina. I talked to an imam and I asked him, I said, is there any certainty even for you that Allah will allow you into paradise? And he said, no. I have no certainty that I'm going to get there. Now, how does Islam differ from Christianity? Well, in in any number of ways, even though we share some of the same biblical characters and even share Jesus, they see Jesus as a prophet who was surpassed in greatness by Muhammad. We see Jesus as far more than a prophet. We see Jesus as the son of the living God and our only hope for salvation. That's a huge, huge, huge difference. We also don't believe that a person is saved by doing good works. The Bible teaches that we're saved by grace through faith. And this is not something we do, but it's instead the gift of God. And in fact, it's not by work so that none of us can ever stand before God and boast, hey, look what I did. It's all a work of God, and it is all by grace. Now, 
why do this? Why spend this time to look at these religions? Because it is a very prevalent way of thinking out there that it really doesn't matter what you believe so long as you're sincere in your belief. And in the end, if a person does believe in something and they're sincere about it, God's going to go, okay, well, that's close enough. You can come on in. What I want to share with you today is that truth matters. And the truth you choose matters. This is what Jesus said, recorded in John chapter 14. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let that sink in. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I want to tell you right now, there are no confusing Greek words here. You, if, if you knew Koine Greek and you translated this verse, there would not be confusion. This is as close in the English language as we can get to exactly what Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus doesn't give us a lot of wiggle room here. In fact, he gives us none. There is no wiggle room. Jesus did not say, listen, I understand that some of you believe different things. It's okay. Just be sincere in that, and and it'll all work out in the end. All roads lead to the same God. All roads lead to heaven. It really doesn't matter. One faith is as good as another. What's true for you is true for you. What's true for me is true for me. Does that look like it has any, any, any connection to what Jesus just says here? What is Jesus saying? It doesn't, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to feel, figure that out. Who is the way? Jesus. Who is the truth? Who is the life? Who, how does a person get to the Father? Through Jesus. Okay, I mean, is this complicated? Now, here, here's, here's the deal. And this is really what we have to wrestle with. Either this is true or it isn't. It can't be both. Either Jesus was right or he's not. And if he's not right, then he's a liar and please don't follow him. But if he is right, if this is truth, is this truth that matters? See, it does matter which wire you cut right here. It does matter which truth you pick. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. And the only way that a person gets to the Father, the only way that a person gets to the Father, Jesus says, is through me. So what do you do with something like this? Some of you have embraced it. You go, you know what? This is is not what I've always been taught. It it goes against sometimes even the grain of the fabric uh, that says that I want God to be more fair than this. 
But regardless of what you feel about the verse, you need to wrestle with it. Some of you have and you've surrendered to it. And you said, you know what? I believe. I believe when Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. I believe that that's true. And I'm choosing to turn my life away from me and anything else. And I'm choosing to turn myself towards God and receive his son Jesus as my Savior and follow him for the rest of my life. And you're committed to this and you're sold out. And for you, this is comforting. For you, this is where you get your peace. From you, this is where you find your hope that Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. And you have Jesus. And so you have Jesus, you have the Father. You have Jesus, you have heaven. You have Jesus, you have eternal life. You go, that's what I'm hanging my hat on. That's what I'm hanging my eternity on. That's, I've answered yes to that question. But for some of you, you're still struggling with that question. Is this true? Well, it can't be true and untrue at the same time. It can't be true and false at the same time. Peter was a guy who followed Jesus for a long time. Je- Peter knew Jesus. And, and, and let me go ahead and tell you, Peter was not, Peter very often cut the wrong wire. I mean, he was rash. He was argumentative. Do you, I mean, you remember some of the things that Peter did, don't you? Peter, Peter was the one who, when Jesus said, hey, listen, guys, I need to tell you, I got to go to Jerusalem, and when I get there, I want to be crucified. And Peter goes, oh, no, you're not. You, you most certainly are not. And he, pulled, he, he said, Jesus, no, it's not going to happen. Peter, Peter was the one, when he was asked, you know, he's followed Jesus he, he was there when Jesus was arrested. And he, he followed him to the courtyard. And, and when Jesus was kind of be put in this kangaroo court, and he'd been beaten and, and mistreated, and, and they were just abusing Jesus. And, and people began to recognize Peter and go, hey, you were, you, were with, you were with this Jesus guy, weren't you? And Peter goes, oh, no, not me. I don't, I don't even know the guy. And he didn't do it just once or twice. But he did it three times. Okay, this is the Peter we're talking about, somebody who cut the wrong wire a lot. But then something happened. He found that the tomb was empty. Now you could have other explanations for an empty tomb. Okay, tomb was empty. Something happened to the body. Uh, went to the wrong place. Da 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 da. Big deal. Except Peter's hiding with these other disciples. He's hiding with these other disciples behind a locked door, and all of a sudden Jesus shows up in the room. I don't know if he materializes. I don't know if there were lights and sparkles and sounds or or whether he was just, they just turned around and went, oh, look who's here. But Jesus shows up and he's real. And and when Thomas shows up, he goes, hey, check me out. Put your your finger in here. Put your your finger in here. Check check it out. He, he, he He wasn't a ghost. He met him by the seashore and he ate fish with them. He was able to eat just like everybody else. And then, and then Peter was there when, when Jesus took off and went up into heaven. They're just standing there looking into the clouds. Going, I've never seen that before. Okay, this is the guy. And this is what he says about Jesus. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind 
by which we must be saved. Any wiggle room there? No. Peter came to the same conclusion that Jesus told him he would come to. And that is, I'm it, boys. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. If you want to see the face of the Father, it happens through me. You enter the gates of heaven, it happens through me. And Peter finally, after spending three years with this man, and after not only hearing him teach and seeing his miracles, but seeing him resurrected from the grave and ascended into heaven, Peter says, you know what, I'm sold. And he was willing to tell the Sanhedrin, and he was willing to stand up and preach to the multitudes, salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name other than Jesus given to mankind by which we must be saved. Jesus is it. Now, this is a question for you. Is Peter lying or telling the truth? Is this true or isn't it? Folks, this this matters. This is far more serious than laying on the operating table or laying in pre-op and the doctor comes in and says, you know, which leg am I cutting on today? Which hand am I working on today? This is far more, I'm telling you what, you're a whole lot better off giving a wrong answer to that question than you are having a wrong answer to this question. Because this is eternal. This matters forever. This is not a case of the health of your body. This is a case of the health of your soul. This is the question. The ultimate question. Now, Jesus at one point gathered his disciples around him and, and uh, he, he began to question them a little bit, kind of debriefing them. Uh, you're out there among the people, you're, you're talking to folks. Okay, who is, it, who is it that people say I am? And so they begin to toss out answers. Well, some say that you're John the Baptist. You know, he got his head lopped off. And so some say you're him, but you're, you're back and you have your head back. Okay. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. You're that prophet of fire. And you're going to come and you're going to set all things right. Some say you're Jeremiah. You're that prophet who suffers. Some say that you're one of the other prophets. So there were various answers out there. Okay. So Jesus listens to all that. He gets all that information in. And then he looks at him and he asks him this question. But what about you? Who do you? Say that I am. And that's the question that Jesus asked you this morning. Who do you say that I am? Am I a person on the scale of a Moses and a Buddha and a Muhammad? And am I just one in a long line of religious teachers and preachers who showed up and made a difference in the world? Am I no different than Mahatma Gandhi? Who do you say that I am? Well, Peter's response was this. You are the Messiah, the Son of God of the living God. And it's at that point that Peter clipped the right wire. 
And Jesus said, you know what, (laughs) Peter, that's cool, but you didn't figure that out all by yourself. God revealed it to you. It's a spiritual knowing. And that's what you need to know today. Believing in Jesus is more than just saying, hey, I believe there was a guy who walked around Nazareth and Jerusalem, and and I believe that there was this guy who really taught good things and and was nailed to a cross. Yeah, I kind of believe that, and and you don't even have to convince me. Yeah, somehow he got up from the grave, and I I can't figure all that out. Yeah, I, I believe that's true up here. I can, I can mentally assent that Christian faith is a good thing and people love each other and care for each other. Yeah, I can, I can go for that up here. But where the rubber meets the road is what you believe in here. Do I believe it enough here, deep within, that I am willing to stake my eternal soul on the truth of it? Do I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of the living God? And if so, does that have some impact on the way I live? The priorities I have in life? The things I choose to do and not to do? What I do with my money? What I do with my time? What I do with my life? Does this have some impact on me so that it radically changes me from being a person who gossips about someone to being a person who prays about that same person? Do I believe it enough that it gets to the core of who I am and radically changes me from the inside out? Jesus said there will be a lot of people who stand before him at the last day who say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this in your name? And didn't I do that in your name? And didn't I do this good deed and this good work? And Jesus is going to look at them, and it will not be with anger, but it will be with a broken heart, and he will say, you got to go. I don't know you. But it doesn't have to be that way. Not for you. And not for countless souls who live in this community right around you. It doesn't have to be that way. You see, God has done everything necessary for our salvation. That's why in church buildings you see crosses. It is a reminder of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. He died on the cross. He took our sins with him to the cross. And he did it for a reason. So that if we would accept that, believe that, trust that, cling to that... We might have a new life. We might be born again, born from above, changed on the inside, become a new creation in Christ. But it begins for you this morning by answering this simple question. Who do you say Jesus is?